are listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers, brought to you by Cooler Partners, a digital marketing agency made for manufacturers. I'm your co-host, Jeff White, and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, sir, and thank you, uh, thank you for asking. Yeah. I appreciate the concern. <laughs> I am concerned. I am concerned. Um, so looking forward to our guest today on the show. Been doing some interesting things in terms of, uh, you know, progressing the tech stack and the uh, the web development and, and moving into e-commerce uh, within their, uh, their manufacturing organization. I think it's just fascinating kind of what they've been up to and, and where our guest has been able to help take it. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for today's chat. Let's get on with it. All right. So joining us today is John Sujecki. He's the Global Digital Marketing Manager at Enerpack. Uh, welcome to the Cooler Ring, John. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, glad to be here. John, uh, look, it's, it's fabulous to be chatting with you. And I, I wonder if we could start with just maybe introducing our listeners to Enerpack and uh, a bit of your history with the firm. Sure, sure. Yeah, so I've been with uh, Enerpack for uh, a little bit over eight years. Um, started in a kind of a internet marketing role, kind of a, a new role that, that they, they, they just started. And it was kind of a, an approach to how do we make use of this thing called the internet and how do we get our products up on it? That kind of approach. You know, I'm, I work for a very diverse industrial company. Uh, you know, we sell tools that would be not, so to speak, in uh, a commercial or uh, maybe a light application, a light industrial application. So things such as, you know, hydraulic cylinders that are, you know, rated for 10,000 PSI. So, you know, where you'll find these things is uh, many times, you know, under a bridge that's lifting up a bridge deck or maybe a hydraulic torque wrench that could be, you know, torquing a nut to a very specific pressure. So um, the applications which these tools get used in are, are very industrial. Um, so, you know, this company itself, you know, they're not, so to speak, technology adopters at a rapid pace. So um, that's kind of what I got brought in to do is, you know, how do we start understanding the different landscapes and things that are out there? And my career has kind of grown as we've had some good wins and good successes. So you've really been um, kind of leading this effort for uh, for a while. So I guess where was it? That, I guess where did you start? And then perhaps we'll we'll uh, evolve from there as to kind of how it's progressed. But let's kind of what was your starting point as you kind of began to unravel this? Yeah, I guess the starting point is just getting a feel for the landscape. Um, you know, someone kind of gave me a quib when I started that that went along the lines of you know. You join GE, you, you get an understanding of what you got to do in your role within like the first, you know, two to three months. You start understanding how things go, and in our company, it might take a little bit longer just for the, you know, the products are sold globally. You got to understand all the global players who are involved in the, the stakeholders from that at, that end, um, as well as you know, they're very technical products. So it takes a little bit longer to get familiar with, you know, what do the products do, who uses them, where they used. Um, and then just understanding the strategy a little bit about, you know, what are the business outcomes people are trying to take? Um, once you kind of start understanding, the, you know, where the direction the business is going, you start getting some ideas uh, in terms of how to collaborate with the right people, um, gather some good feedback for, you know, you know, just really 
voice of the customer, really, you know, your voice of the business, understanding what people are looking to accomplish and achieve. And then from there, you can kind of start understanding, you know, where technology might fit in. Um, and that's kind of where I fit in. And obviously, the first point that I start, started in was in, in the web space. So is taking a surveillance of, you know, where are we at with all of our, our landscape of all of our different websites? And, you know, when you work for an industrial, uh, diversified industrial company, um, in many cases, a lot of the, the websites that we had came through acquisition and lots of the technology we had in place came through acquisition. So you end up looking at, you know, what is your overall landscape look like? And you have websites that may be built custom, you know, just straight pure custom code to, you know, PHP or maybe on a, a, an open source CMS like Drupal or even WordPress. And, and so you start looking at, you know, a diverse landscape and then you, you start understanding that, you know, how would you manage this? How would you build great content or even build structured content um, if you have to kind of manage things across different technologies or even different frameworks for how things are built up? So you start kind of getting some ideas of, you know, how you do things differently. Um, and that's kind of led us down to some of the decisions around technology and just approaches to content and collaboration that we've kind of been on over the last, you know, at least five, eight years at least. So a core part of that has been a simplification or a consolidation of the tech stack, really, and kind of getting into something that you felt you could kind of live into more versus um, uh, spend, I guess, spend more time creating and less time managing, or am I putting too many words in your mouth? No, yeah, I mean, that's precisely it. I mean, if you look, if you think about it, it's hard to build a, a skill, a set of skills for our team with a set of skills to manage, you know, a diverse set of technology. So you first kind of have to look at, yeah, you're absolutely right. How do you consolidate, simplify things, um, make it easier? Um, when I started, we had a we had a custom German site, a custom French site, you know, an enterpack.fr, top level country domain uh, for multiple countries. Um, some of them still are in place today, uh, not all of them, but we've consolidated a lot of our web um, presence um, just for the enterpack brand. And then we also have, um, some brands that are within the Enterpack family that you know we've put on a journey of consolidating them within the same platform. So we recently, uh, maybe about two years ago, um, started migrating all of our websites onto a platform that was a cloud-hosted Oracle application called Oracle Commerce Cloud. And that really helped us um, both consolidate just our pure marketing sites as well as um, get into consolidating our e-commerce sites because not only did we have marketing sites that are on custom applications or across different technology stacks, but we also had e-commerce sites that were on different technology stacks. So um, consolidating really helps you kind of build a, a stronger, more um, team with a certain set of skills that you can go farther with and really make the most out of what you're trying to accomplish in terms of getting your business outcomes done and what the different stakeholders in your company are trying to accomplish. Yeah, the, and the, the training benefits and consolidation of skill set seems to make total sense to me. Yeah. I just, uh, I guess before we say it's all positive, I wonder, do you feel like you, you've given anything up in that transition? Or, uh, and I don't know what that might be, but... From open source to enterprise, you uh, mean? Yeah, or is there a level of agility or experimentation that can be more nurtured in one versus the other? I'm yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I can tell you right now, we've been going through a, a web store or e-commerce transition. That's we, we have a web store that's specifically set up for just our distribution partners. 
Um, so it's, you know, behind a, you know, login gateway where they're able to go and, you know, see pricing availability, um, what lead times are, what their discount structures are for every item, you know, and obviously they can check out, get delivery information that, that so on and so forth, you know, that, that was all built on a custom application. So you have complete access to the back end of, you know, all the, the code and, one of the limitations we quickly figured out was when you're moving to an, you know, a cloud hosted application, uh, you don't really have full access to the code. So, you know, you're, you're pretty limited to um, what configuration and rules and logic they have set up. And fortunately, we, we did a good amount of diligence before we went into, you know, working with the, the Oracle Commerce Cloud application to understanding what is our rules for, you know, B2B setup, you know, what is our, what, what it was our plan of attack for how we were going to handle various price lists, various customers on different price lists. How are we going to understand, um, you know, discounting promotions? How, how do we handle these all in an environment that is fairly locked down? Um, and when you start kind of writing out all of your rules of what you need or your requirements really that you need your site to do, you, you have to cross check all that too. Is it really there? Yeah, maybe in a sales meeting it's there, but let's actually dig into it and actually really see what is all the granularity that's available there. Unfortunately, we've had some advancements in the application over the past, you know, um, two years that's been on, that we've been on it. Um, so that's kind of helped us get along the way about eighty percent of where we really want to be. But it's also helped us in the sense of just overall time that we'd spend managing or doing break fixes on other sites. We're now probably spending our time learning how to configure one application and that knowledge becomes reusable for every single time we need to deploy something else. So you build something once and you can, you know, everything's widgetized. So if you build, you know, a set of code for, you know, let's say a distributor search, um, you can then reapply that same code set to every single site that you, you build. So if our company is still remains acquisitive and we buy more brands or more tool companies and those tool companies remain independent uh, from a branding perspective and we need to build a spin up a distributor search, that code is already done. We, we, we have that widget. We have that functionality. We're able to deploy and deliver that within, you know, a day versus weeks if we had to build that on a custom application or rebuild it all again. So that's kind of where you get speed, but you also lose some things in just learning the technology itself. Yeah, I really appreciate you just giving us a lens of kind of reality and uh, uh, kind of the seat of the pants impression, if you will, about living through that. Because I think sometimes people talk about it as though it's a black and white argument. And and we've heard arguments on both sides of the coin. Uh, We've been in that sales meeting. Yeah, of course. And, and, uh, you know, the fact is it is a, you know, it's it's about making a wise trade off and there's a compromise that's happening here. And, uh, you know, and you've made the decision that it's for a good reason and uh, that the, I guess the, the ends justify the means as it were. Um, And, uh, you know, I just think that it's, um, uh, many marketers, I think, try to oversimplify it and whatnot. And the fact is that, that it's just the reality is more messy than that, eh? I think so. And and the other thing, too, I mean, with the, the scale of the platform that you're dealing with, John, I mean, you know, over 5,000 products, you know, with 200,000 different specifications and six languages, you know, you really do kind of need the support, I guess, of a, 
you know, of an perhaps an organization the scale of Oracle to be able to have the ability to quickly spin up and maintain those those levels of sight um, that, that you just is is simply a little bit more difficult to do if it's open source or custom custom code the whole way. Yeah, I mean, th- that is something I've kind of been thinking through is, is the nature of when you're able to do that, you kind of, you know, it's it's the it goes back to the, the, the trade-offs decision. You know, you lose some flexibility, but can you give that up for just having a, a smaller team? Because the nature of what you're going to be given when you work for a company such as my own, that's not looking to be on the bleeding of tech bleeding at an edge of technology and looking to do, you know, squeeze, always look to do more with less. So when you know that you're going to have a small centralized team, you're going to be asked to do a lot, but you're maybe not going to have the full suite of resources that, you know, um, you know, a consumer type brand might be pouring into when they're, they're thinking we're doing full blown digital transformation. So when you know that you're behind the curve of, you know, companies who are going full-blown digital transformation and they're probably putting a good amount of resources into rethinking all their business processes and you're working for a manufacturing company that is, you know, maybe a couple of years behind uh, thinking that way, you know, you still need to deliver something that looks and feels and is maintained to a level that they see on a consumer level. Um, Just, you know, their interactions with maybe like an Amazon or any one of those, you know, large e-commerce or web presence that they're expecting you to be able to deliver something like that. And, you know, something that's enterprise gets you a good amount of the way there. Um, don't get me wrong. I definitely had very significant reservations in going enterprise and just saying, well, you know, we could probably just do something with them, something more open source and that, that would help. But just knowing that you're going to have a resource constraint and you're going to be asked to do a lot with a smaller team, you go, okay, how do I get the most out of what I have? Let's get a 75% of the way there, learn one technology stack really well, how to manipulate it, configure it, um, and then that will get us to accomplishing more business objectives pretty well um, or well enough that you're, you're delivering, I think, something that's actually satisfying the business than um, something that they're asking, why aren't we there yet? How come this isn't um, complete? Um, what you might be working with if you're, you're starting at a, a low, yeah, at a, a larger starting point, you're starting a little bit behind the game with something that isn't fully enterprise. You know, you're still managing a server, or you're, you're taking backups, or you're, you have to figure out a disaster recovery plan. When you're using a cloud application, it takes some of the things off your plate that you have to do, and you can focus more or less just on uh, the business outcomes because they're kind of pushing the updates out to you. So you're getting the new t- new releases, you're able to take what are the new updates and features and functionality that they're kind of helping take off your hand to build up and you're figuring out how to manipulate them and use them for what you want to do. Is it perfect for what you want it to? Not all the time, but at least it gets you most of the way there. So you can kind of be pretty happy with what you're getting. Are your digital marketing efforts bringing in too many junk leads? Stop wasting time and distracting your sales team. Account-based marketing can help give your marketing strategy the laser focus on qualified buyers that you need to increase your pipeline velocity, close more deals, and grow your business faster. We've created a sample manufacturing ABM plan to help you get started. Download the sample manufacturing ABM plan at bit.ly slash sample ABM. That's B-I-T 
bit.ly slash sample ABM. I think one of the really good examples of, of it kind of helping to push you along too, and you alluded to this a little bit earlier in the conversation, was just the ability to quickly reuse and repurpose code. Um, I know that you uh, you mentioned um, you were able to spin up a new site um, for one of the, was it an acquisition, I believe? Um, utilizing the the same code from the Enterpack site in only three months. And I mean, that's, you know, for a scale of, uh, of enterprise that we're talking about, that's a really quick turnaround. Can you tell us a little bit about that process and what you're able to do there? Yeah, sure. I, I think this kind of more or less speaks to the technology and just understanding it fairly well. But yeah, more or less um, that building a second site, really the three months didn't have a whole lot to do with our ability to actually build like the page layouts the widget code and restyle things. I, I'd say that exercise maybe took one month or maybe eight weeks, if that. Um, really, when it came down to just organizing product data, that was probably the maybe the, the larger ask. You know, you have fifteen hundred products that we needed to get loaded into the site, and they probably had somewhere around I don't know. 50 to 80,000 specs across those thousand products. And you're kind of also collecting, mapping, you know, images, uh, not only just pictures of the, of the product, but also dimensional drawings, line art, manuals, uh, repair sheets, um, CAD files. And when you're mapping all that up back to all your product data, your data organization effort is maybe half that exercise, but the actual site build itself, the development is there's a lot of a most, mostly like a lift and shift type effort of your cloning layouts, restyling them. And so you're mostly doing CSS work uh, in terms of how you're building up a second site. So it, it really was kind of neat to watch that you're not starting from scratch. It's a lot of its reusability and tweaking the, the overall look and feel to match another brand's uh, brand identity. Do you have that front end talent, CSS uh, talent in house? Yeah, and that's been part of our, you know, approach long term. You know, when I started, everything was outsourced, and that, that came with headaches, and it came with cost. So, you know, one of those things that we, um, at least I championed heavily in, in the beginning is, you know, we can continue to do this at, a, at, you know, an exercise of putting together business proposals, projects, and then getting, you know, authorization to, you know, make these enhancements, whether they're large, uh, overall sweeping, um, you know, upgrades to sites that could be, you know, large to small expenditures, or we could build a team and, you know, we could do it ourselves and, you know, building, building our team and doing it ourselves, we control the destiny. We're able to be a lot quicker, a lot more responsive and actually add a lot more value in terms of what we're trying to do to accomplish what the business is seeking to do. So, yeah, I would say we, we, built a team. Uh, we have a team of about five people or four people right now, five shortly, but you know, that the team is able to spend a lot of his time just doing front end development. And we have some partners that we work with in turn inside of our organization, do some of the back end development. Um, and you know, that is helping with our whole e-commerce experience as we're getting to just the whole integrations between payment gateways, pricing, um, between our ERP system and our, our web e-commerce platform. You mentioned earlier too around 
that data organization is like half mm. the battle of this. And you know, man, is that ever, I mean, if a data organization and content creation would be the two most uh, underscoped. Uh, <laughs> Both client side. And yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I, I just think that that's where people often miss the mark and they don't really appreciate how long that's going to take. Did you employ, uh, uh, introduce a PIM at that time or anything of that nature to assist with that? Yeah, I mean, oddly enough, that, that was... That was my first major initiative that I championed was a, was a PIM initiative. Uh, unfortunately, um, we, we could not come to alignment on the technology. Um, so we, the, the, between the IT organization, the marketing organization, I, I sit within marketing, um, you know, I was definitely looking for more um, product management or marketing friendly PIM applications, whereas our IT organization was looking for more of um, alignment around technology vendors. Um, so they're definitively looking at, let's just stay, keep things with a single technology provider. Uh, so we couldn't really, you know, get alignment on which app, you know, technology to use. So we, we kind of um, forwent that uh, implementation. And unfortunately the business still has, you know, it's deliverables, whether you're able to set up the infrastructure to kind of deliver these things in, in, in the time that it's looking to. So. You know, we, we unfortunately started, we had a, a good methodology in place to understand how to get PIM implemented. So as, as long as we were working on the business case, I, I was still head down in terms of understanding how do we do classification and taxonomy and where is data originating from? How do we build this into, you know, uh, a good structure? And then thinking about the web in mind and thinking about faceting and filtering and um, just cataloging, merchandising. So a lot of those things were like in the back of my head while I was working on, you know, how will we approach PIM? So when we forewent it, we weren't too far behind in saying, are we ready to implement a web platform that is basically, you know, building a large product table in the background? So although we didn't implement a PIM, we had some of that groundwork done that was all in you know, in preparation for implementing a PIM that helped us kind of go, okay, if we're not doing PIM, um, our web platform does have the whole notion of product types, attribution assigned back to product types. It, it kind of, we had some of the groundwork done to loading a lot of our product data directly into our e-commerce platform. And I think that'll help us, you know, as this upcoming fiscal year, we're, we're back on the, the trail for implementing a PIM because we have future things that we need to do that are additional benefits to doing it that we've kind of overlooked, but are back, you know, back in the, I don't know, the driver's seat of getting that done. So that'll be something we'll be doing, but just didn't do it before we did our e-commerce site. No. I, I appreciate that. I mean, it's like kind of like you had the benefit of PIM thinking as a result of thinking yeah. it through um, and you were at least able to implement with the existing tool set in a way that um, is perhaps more structured and useful. Um, I appreciate the insight into that decision-making process. And, uh, you know, I think everybody acknowledges that uh, it can get messy. You know, <laughs> IT and marketing don't always agree. I just like the candor around that. Yeah, no, I think that's really great. I, I want to kind of use that as a bit of a jumping off point for uh, uh, another line of questions. And, and really, it's it's more around, I mean, obviously, it, it's very difficult to gather the content for product data and, and kind of you know, locate where all of that is going to come from, especially when you're pulling content globally in multiple languages from multiple countries. Um, how did you go about 
you know, for the, the initial redevelopment of enterpack.com, how did you go about kind of working with your stakeholders to get that content ready for the new site? Sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that was a challenge. Um, I would definitely say it was a challenge. It was probably one of those educational things where it took a lot of, you know, some people call them like workshop sessions or road shows. But uh, one of the things, uh, uh, the, the tool is escaping me, but we, we used basically a, a tool that helped visualize what the, what the site was going to look like. So I helped people think through the idea. For me, one of the critical things was faceting and making sure fastening was working in a manner that met what our how our end users were thinking is also and as well as product cataloging in terms of how our end users would be thinking or searching for product so we use a tool to help make a lot of wireframes and visual comps because i know sometimes you know i in my head i can see what the site's going to look like and how it can be organized or i can build out like a quick table and say okay this is what it's going to look like but until it really looks really visual and actually like a web page some people might not give you the full feedback or, you know, it, it might be incomplete um, analysis on what you're proposing or what trying to dr- pull information out of them because we do have a lot of diverse product lines and we have product managers who sit all over the world and, you know, sometimes they can manage products that are very similar or even overlapping. You know, we have two different product management groups that kind of make tools that provide torque outputs. So, I mean, different variants of torque wrenches, whether it's manual torque wrenches or multipliers or pneumatic or electric or hydraulic driven. So those groups sometimes don't always align with what they're thinking. But at the end of the day, the end user needs one common set of how they're going to filter. And once you start visually showing people, that kind of helps. So that kind of helped drive the, the collaborative approach and the collaboration approach. And then also, you know, Excel is pretty, you know, smart at just, you know, setting filters on the top of, you know, column headings. So it, as long as you can kind of show them a visual and say, look, guys, a lot of this fasting is going to happen this way. Um, that, that's going to happen. And then I would say the dirty secret to all of it, you know, sadly enough, is it's interns. I mean, I, I definitely had interns working, two interns working for me for the summer. And, um, you know, I, I definitely got them some some beers from time to time just to thank them for all their hard efforts and uh, um, dizzying days of looking cross-eyed after they've been looking at a spreadsheet for a while. Um, so there was a good element of that. Um, and I also, I think we used some tricks in Adobe to export some tables from either, you know, catalog pages or other print assets, which we kind of gave us a head start on some of the tabling exercises of harmonizing data um, understanding faceting filtering and then um, you know the media was always a, a constant go-get um, in terms of collecting you know just product hero images to application images to drawings you know that was just an exercise that we started I don't know nine months before we attempted to even launch the site and we started even collecting media and understanding okay where's break it down by category break it down by you know a series within a product category and let's just focus on small bits at a time. So it's, it, it's a large apple to eat and you're not going to eat it all in one bite. So you, you start planning and you're breaking into small bites that you can do small piece after piece after piece. And you just hope your structure and the way you're organizing your data, that taxonomy doesn't change. Otherwise, okay, you're taking a step back and reevaluating how you set things up. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Were um, were you able to kind of document a process after that 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 has helped you in uh, in site build since? Yeah, for sure. I think um, fortunately we nailed the, the largest portion of our catalog. Um, so in terms of our overall product catalog, you know, I think we nailed the largest portion with the Enterpack side. Um, so everything else seemed like uh, easier efforts since then. Um, so ever since then, we, we've acquired two companies, uh, maybe actually three companies since then. Um, we've two of the three we've onboarded into kind of our e-commerce platform or, you know, our web platform. We've onboarded all their product data into that. Um, yeah, I, I, I have defined some level of process in terms of, you know, thinking through cataloging first, you know, where, where do we want to categorize things and then thinking through just um, product data, you know, organizing the products just by, you know, a single type. And then, OK, what, how do we attribute, uh, do an attribution to all these types of products? Um, fortunately, we're, we're kind of in a highly specified type of um, environment in terms of where our customers, you know, you don't buy a, a portable machining tool um, without knowing a whole lot about it. So fortunately, we, we are a spec-heavy type company. So you do spend a lot of your time um, evaluating specs and dimensions and making sure as you start going across product types, no new attributes are invented, that every attribute is the same thing. Um, and I think once you start showing people large sets of data and start having them review, um, you, you start pulling things out of the woodwork and saying, okay, yeah, well, these two things are synonyms. Um, sometimes you just call it a little bit differently when we're doing things in subsea environments. And you're like, okay, I understand that, but let's keep the attribution the same so that way um, fastening doesn't break or filtering doesn't break. Um, but in certain situations, we, we figured out how to do exceptions to the rule. And we, you know, we, we figured out you can set up new page layouts and that for these page layouts, you can show these properties. And for these page layouts, you show these properties. So we were able to work around it in some of the cases where, you know, unfortunately the, the exceptions uh, became the rule. I think that's, I mean, that is so often the case where, you know, you've got, this is a basic example, but, you know, nine different terms for the same color of brown. Yeah, yeah, precisely. You know, <laughs> or something like that. that uh, different spellings or, or what have you, and it just ends up making it so difficult to create a uh, a consistent taxonomy across the entire breadth of uh, of product data. So um, I, I, I applaud your interns. Um, I'm sure that was a heck of a heck of a nine month period for sure. But uh, yeah, it's a, that's a big 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 undertaking. Yeah, that was the real challenge. There, just when you have product managers who don't look across their lines. You, you are then the de facto uh, global product manager to some extent of defining the rules of how things happen across product lines. So you set the standards that if you go from one category to the next category, that it still operates the same way. So it, you end up getting a, a litany or maybe a rapid fire list of emails throughout a day from a, a set of two poor college kids who are trying to understand the difference between... Um, uh, uh, operating pressure or, or advanced output at 5,000 PSI. Is that the difference between 350 bar? Um, yes, that means the exact same thing. It's just you're converting PSI to bar. Okay. So you end up spending a lot of your time just doing a lot of translating for people who are not familiar with your product line into uh, 
you know, having them understand your product line a little bit. John, I really appreciate you taking us through this today. I mean, I, I think um, it's uh, it's been a great insight into the decision-making process that you've employed as you've kind of gone through and are guiding the uh, digital transformation at Enterpack. And it's been a real benefit to our listeners. Thanks so much. Yeah, absolutely. It was great at being here. All the best. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.